This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Championship point. Here comes the serve. That's an ace. Okay. And what a way for Daniel Medvedev. There's no celebration. There's no smile. Now there's just a tiny one towards his box. He has cleaned up in Shanghai. An hour and 13 minutes. A nice exchange between the two. But your champion of the Rolex Shanghai Masters, we're saying this a lot when it comes to finals right now, is the man who has forgotten how to lose. Both arms aloft. Daniel Medvedev, king in Shanghai. Straight set. 6-4, 6-1. Daniil, congratulations. Your second Masters 1000 title within just over two months. Obviously, the first one will always be special. But what will these, uh, this title here, the second one, sample? Oh, this one is also amazing because Shanghai, I think, is one of the most prestigious Masters on the tour. I mean, looking especially the last 10 years, uh, there were only three players uh, who managed to win this one. So it's uh, it's really special to have my photo in the corridor uh, over the next uh, many years you seem so calm though is there going to be a moment away from the camera when you're going to let it all out i'm not sure probably i mean especially when i'm going to see my wife back in moscow but uh, you know i said it uh, kind of during us open or after cincinnati i decided that it's going to be my thing because Everybody is talking that they need new guys, uh, something new, so I, I give them something new. I don't celebrate my wins, I just stay calm, I do my job and bam, done. And you keep going, your record is wow. impressive. Six finals in a row. If anyone said that to you a year ago, what would you have said? I would not believe it. I mean, uh, it's uh, something outrageous that I've done in the last few months. And uh, I mean, I have been working for it, but uh, that's, it is how it is. I just take it and I hope I'm going to do much more. Enjoy this. Congratulations. Thank you very much. The man who has forgotten how to lose, Daniel Medvedev, reigns supreme in Shanghai, taking the Rolex Shanghai Masters title, a straight sets win over Sasha Zverev. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast with myself, Gigi Salmon, alongside Barry Cowan and Jill Kravis. We were together, guys, for the final that just finished a short while ago. And Jill, what is there left to say about Daniel Medvedev and what he continues to achieve in this remarkable run in 2019. Yeah, I mean, he's just competing so well. And I think the fact that he's so mentally strong and tough right now, I mean, we know he's got the consistency and the hard work ethic. And I think he that deep belief that he has right now is just absolutely incredible. So he just wants to keep going, wants to keep continuing. But I mean, he's such a tough competitor and it's hard to see any opening because he's not only solid, but brings tons of variety as well. And I think, and I shouldn't have done it, but I think I said he was tired at some point during that final. And Barry, we, we should know better than to call that man tired. Is anything but. 73 minutes of near-perfect tennis from, from Medvedev. He started strongly. Um, Zverev actually started to play a little better in the middle, but he just is relentless. Was He won 11 tie breaks in a row now. The man who will just never lose ever again. <laughs> and is playing incredible tennis. And he hurts you in so many different ways. He feels he can win the physical battle. He feels he can outserve you. And his shot selection, his willingness to change things up is, is remarkable. What a, what a stretch. And 
who is going to end it? Maybe, maybe no one until the end of the year. Well, it's now 18 consecutive sets, and he'll move on to Moscow, a home tournament. He'll be playing there. It, uh, as I say, as a joke, really, a couple of weeks ago, there was a poll on, on social media. It said, when is Daniel Medvedev going to lose? In Asia, in London, or never? And I went, never. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have to say, I wasn't the only one that clicked never, but he, he just befuddles you. He puts you into such a muddle if you're facing him the other side of the net, Jill, and your, your game plan A just seems to go to shreds. Well, I think he also has that look about him, too. I mean, like Barry said, I mean, he, he just is relentless, and you can feel that on the other side of the court, and I think that's starting to become a little bit intimidating for players, and it's getting to the point where now they don't really see any opening as far as being able to construct a point and win a lot of these points because he's so solid everywhere in the court. And Barry said also having that huge serve behind him, I mean, not only consistent, but also being able to win quick points when he needs them. And he's consistently coming up with aces on really pressure moments when he's down love 40, when he's down a break point in really pressure situations. And that's what's just so incredible. And he looks so calm to me all the time. And for me, that one of the biggest things is he never presses that panic button. I mean, he could be down a set or down in a game, and he just looks like, he's like, okay, I, you know, I just gotta do my best, I just gotta take one point at a time, and he just stays so completely calm during those moments. Barry, a point that stands out, referring to what Jill's saying there, is when he was, he was love 40 down, and we thought, what's he gonna do, is this the moment? And then suddenly he served and came in and played just the most beautiful volley that no one was expecting, let alone Sasha Zverev. Yeah, he is willing to go to areas of the court that maybe isn't as comfortable for him because the default for Medvedev was always play five, six feet behind the baseline, but his game has evolved this year. And, and the willingness to, uh, on big moments to do something different, the surprise element, it was the other day, um, in his match against Pospisil, wasn't it? Um, serve and volley, second serve. Surprise. Or was it Fanini? I lose track. I've done so many matches this week. <laughs> it's, anything is it possible. Was, it was Fanini. Just remember that. It was that. Fanini, yes. 5-4, five, <laughs> five, he serves and volleys, wins the point, and then Fanini reacts and his frustration, but actually that's what he does. In regards to Pospisil, that was his toughest match of the week against the Canadian. And why was it tough? And why? Anything why is Pospisil. Hey, how many times you use that this week? You set that one up perfectly. But I think what, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, what um, Pospisil did and what Nadal was able to do in the two previous meetings when he beat him in the summer, got to make him uncomfortable early on. And, and I think that's the mistake that Zverev made today. Uh, I can understand it a little bit because he was nervous with it being a final. I think it was a bigger match for Zverev. But I think you've got to come out and take, it, take him out of his rhythm. If you don't take him out of his rhythm, he just settles down and he just, bye. Well, and, and for me, that's the most frustrated Medvedev was too, mm. was when he was playing Pospisil. That's where he got really emotional and you really started seeing, you know, just a little bit of the frustration. And I think that has a lot to do with the game style. I mean, when Tsitsipas served in volley against Medvedev as well, he was very successful. And Pospisil does it way more than Tsitsipas does. So the fact that Medvedev had to see that over and over and over again, I mean, that was frustrating to him. So that's something that work can work can be effective against Medvedev but Sasha Zverev isn't the, isn't the one that's going to come into come into the net that often that's not his most comfortable position is at the net so you're not going to see him doing that that often I think Barry's right he did start pretty much in Medvedev's comfort zone in the beginning of that match
I think one of my favourite stats, and there are so many when it comes to Medvedev these days, since Wimbledon in the best of three set matches, he's now played 44 sets against players not called Nadal, Djokovic and Kyrgios, and he has not lost one. He's now 29-3 and three since Washington, which is the start of, of that run of six consecutive finals. We must say a word or two, though, about Sasha Zverev, Barry, and this has been, there's a lot of good for Zverev to take away from this week or, or the time he spent in Asia. Well, that's what I would hope that he would walk away from Shanghai with positives. Uh, you don't want him to dwell on what maybe he didn't do well today. It's He's been brilliant the last couple of days to play as well as he did and, and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Federer and recover from what would have been heartache of losing that second set when he had five match points, when he served for it, had 40 love, but he showed real strength of character. And he is getting back to the type of tennis that he ultimately needs to play. I still feel today was a bit of a reality check, actually, of what he, he needs to improve in his game if he is going to go those next few steps and get to the latter stages of majors. But it's nice that he's back in the top eight. I think it's not necessarily good for the tour. I personally don't think it happened to Dimitrov last year when a player wins London and they're not able to come back and defend it. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to be able to be that. And he's currently seventh in the race. Yes, there could still be a few more twists in the tail of who qualifies in those final two spots. But Jill, the main thing for Zverev, he's got himself up into one of those places. Yeah, and I think that's going to be great. And I, I agree. I feel like he should take a positive from this week. I thought it was an incredible week for him. I think especially because he kept getting better and better as the tournament went along. And I think he learned from the matches as he went along. But I think the key for him is going to have that same mentality in this final today. I mean, if he he goes away from this final and just goes away with disappointment that he didn't have the title trophy. I think if he views it as a way to get better and and like really try and learn from what Medvedev did well to make him out of, out of his comfort zone and out of his game, I think if he can look at it as something to learn from, I think that's going to be huge for him. So a lot of it is going to be how he views this final match. Now, this is an agree or disagree question. Zverev said both pre-match and post-match that Daniel Medvedev is the best player in the world right now. Agree or disagree? I agree. Barry. I mean, I think just from looking at the stats... <laughs> Strongly <we've> disagree. <laughs> Nadal... And Djokovic, well, more so Nadal, because Nadal beat him twice in the summer. Beat him in the final in Montreal, beat him final of the US Open. The biggest match that we've had in the men's game in the last few months since the Wimbledon final was that US Open final, but and Nadal beat him. Right now. Right but now. This second. When Nadal, this wasn't minute, here, right when Nadal wasn't here this week. So what are we saying? Because the player isn't, whoever plays the last event. So next week, if, if so-and-so wins Stockholm, does that mean they're the greatest player? Because it's right now. So, so you're saying if it's because he didn't beat Nadal, he didn't beat certain players, that that's why he's not yes. the greatest ever. So you could argue then Tsitsipas would be one of the greatest players because he'd be beaten all those three this year. Well, that's your argument then, yes. Okay. With your argument, <laughs> okay. and we know that's not the case. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not way. saying that's my <laughs> argument. I was just throwing that out there. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, like if you hadn't shown me all these stats of Medvedev and you just told me that without knowing that, I probably would have said no. He's, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But just seeing all the numbers of most mat, most wins in 2019, most hardcore wins, most ATP Masters, thousands wins, most finals in 2019. After seeing that, I'm like, then there's a good argument for it. What's I would the say. pinnacle of our sport? The four majors. How many majors? has Medvedev in 2019. That is a good argument. That is a good argument. I think it, the key, the two words are right now. And I think a lot of people think, well, right now, surely it's got to be the fella that's reached six consecutive finals. That's Look true. what he did you're, in the US Open with final. Your question, I know what you're doing with your question. You're turning it around to politics, aren't you? I didn't think so. Yeah, that is, 
<laughs> you're finding that word, and you're you're focusing on right now. Two words. Oh my word, Joe, this has taken a turn, hasn't it? It was a simple disagree or agree. Let's see if we agree or disagree with some of our, our highlights. It's been a really oh good, really good. As you know, one of my highlights is the anything is possible banner. I just thought it was absolute genius. In terms of what we saw on the court, it's such a colourful place, Shanghai, for for the banners and the crowd and where they support the players and the fans of Djokovic and Federer. They get the same seats each year and the announcer and the guy in the PA with the music. It's such a wonderful atmosphere and the way they look after the players. But in terms of what we've seen on the court, what would what would stand out for you guys? I think there's a lot, actually. I mean, I think the Murray Fognini is one that was actually um, you have to you have to mention just because of everything that happened, the drama that happened. I think Murray being back, I think Fognini playing so well, and the fact that it was such a close match, I thought that was one. Um, Djokovic Sitsipas, of course, Sitsipas coming through with that. That was just absolutely incredible. I thought Sitsipas played amazing, um, and Zverev. Federer. Yeah, the I end of that got, second yeah, set. I agree, Jill. The end of that second that set was second amazing. Set. And what Federer did to recover, what Zverev did to respond. And, and the, the magic of anyone that missed it, the, the Fanini Murray shenanigans. It's good. <laughs> it's what we want in the sport. No, it is what you want in the yes, sport, don't you? Yeah. You want a talking point. People love it. Yeah. yeah, people love seeing that. They, the personalities come out, I think. We've still got places in London to secure. At the moment, it is Sasha Zverev and Matteo Berrettini who are seventh and eighth, but there's still an awful lot of tennis. We think 250s, 500s, still another Masters to go. And a lot of the players, Zverev has said, it's so important for me to be in London. And, and Goffin's still in the mix. And Finney's dropped down a little bit. And Roberto Bautista, Agut, is there. It's, I really like it at this stage of the season, this stage of the year, Jill, that there's still, we've still got these questions even the race number one I know it's it's swung heavily in Nadal's favor now but there's still questions to be answered I think it's so great I'm, I mean I'm just going to be glued to the the TV watching to see who can make that push to who can make final, uh, the London finals at the end of the year in those last couple of spots so for me I think it's so exciting I think this is so it's so great for the sport to be able to follow this and to be able to see who makes it in the end if I had to push you for the two names, who's going to be seventh and eighth? Who's going to London? Well, at the beginning of the week, I said Zverev and Goffin. I'm going to stick with that. Goffin is playing in Antwerp. He's in 10th place. Fanini's in 11th place. He's in Stockholm. Monfils and Schwarzman are both playing at Antwerp. Hachanov's playing Moscow. Wouldn't rule out Hachanov, even though he's 16th place. But... I've got to stick with my original pick, haven't I, Gigi? You've been trying to persuade me all week to change my opinions. Well, no, just your quiz questions. They got quite technical and convoluted. <laughs> Jill, the, the two names. Mm, I kind of like those you. picks, actually, yeah. as I'm looking at the list. Yeah, I think it's Verov and Goffa. I think Goffa is playing so good. I really thought he was playing well this week. And I think he's looking, he's changing his tactics a little bit. He's looking to be more aggressive. He's coming into the net more. And I, I don't know, I like that. I like that he's adding that to his game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Barry, with then what Barry Gigi? said. I think, yes. I think Zverev now, he's got it. He will hang on to it and he'll be there. And I think Goffin, not nailed on because so much can still happen in what's left, but Goffin is playing really well, and if he can keep up that level, I think he could just sneak in. If Goffin wins in Antwerp, he goes ahead of Berrettini into eighth wins place. tournament? In Antwerp, yes. Remember, we've got Andy Murray taking part in the tournament in Antwerp. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting times, isn't 250 it? 250 points yeah. for Goffin. Yeah, so if he wins it. 
which I'm sure will, unless he's, unless he's 18, unless he's, oh, we're getting confusing now, but anyway, if he wins Antwerp, <laughs> if he wins Antwerp, 250 points, that will put him in a really strong position. Keep an eye on atptour.com. Keep an eye on the Fisher website. You've got all the rankings, the lists, the, the races. As Jill said, she's going to be back home in California making chocolates for orders. And, and glued to the radio. And, and glued to the radio. And Barry and I are going to be working on various tournaments together and apart. So we're all, we're all part of this as we build up to the end of the season. But that is it from us for Shanghai. So thank you very much. Have you enjoyed it? Loved oh, it. Loved yeah. it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It's been a great week's tennis. Jill, Cravis, Barry Cowan, thank you very much. But we're not quite leaving Shanghai yet because also part of the team this week has been Lee Goodall and he's been doing sterling work, speaking to players and fans and coaches. Now, these interviews you can listen to on the ATP Tennis Radio exclusives channel that you can find on the TuneIn platform. But for you now, we've just put together a selection of the interviews of the people that Lee spoke to during his time in Shanghai. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. I'm back in the garden just next to the player restaurants here at the Rolex Shanghai Masters. And uh, it's one of those days where it's super busy. Doubles players, singles players, people practicing, getting ready for matches tomorrow and uh, beyond, of course. And uh, I'm tucked around the side of the garden, and I'm delighted that I'm uh, joined by Gilles Savara, of course, the coach to Daniel Medvedev. Gilles, thanks for your time, first of all. I appreciate it. I remember speaking to you here last year, almost in the same place. Um, a lot has happened in 12 months for, for both of you. Um, how are you so far? And, and, and how's Daniel? How's, how's, his, how's his body, first of all? Because that was one of the issues the last time we were seeing him play. Yes, uh, hello Lee, uh, my pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Uh, so yes, uh, one year ago we were there talking uh, about Daniel. Uh, he, at this time he, he just won uh, uh, Tokyo, I remember. Uh, Luke uh, has been, uh, you know, that's far and also uh, if I'm looking back, uh, I can see a uh, uh, good process working on. Um, the year was uh, was a beautiful year right now so far. Uh, we've maybe during the clay court season after Barcelona was a bit a bit tough, but uh, as I used to say, uh, we just continued to, to to work to to try to analyze uh, why uh, at this moment he, he didn't win so so many matches. We didn't get we didn't get crazy or or, or lose. Uh, Confidence. We, we we just were on uh, on our way to to work. When you first met Daniel, um, you've been together quite a few years now, I think. If someone had said to you, "This guy's going to be top five player in maybe five years, four or five years time, Grand Slam finalist, Masters one thousand champion," would you have truly believed that that was possible in that time span? No, I don't think that uh, I could uh, I could believe this. I remember two years ago here in Shanghai or in Tokyo uh, also, and uh, because at this time I started to to, to work with Daniel uh, full time, and uh, he was 60, 65 in the world, didn't won so many matches at this moment, but uh, I remember that I have uh, like a vision to to and the strategy to 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 try to make my best and to 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 train him. And uh, if I remember this time, no, I, I didn't have the, the idea that he could be there. But after, with the time, 
this happen, you know, this process and this kind of uh, career or, 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 or what he, is he doing, you know, it's like you work, but also if the, the player doesn't have this uh, potential, you can work all your life and, and it never happened. That's what I feel. Um, we in the media, the analysts, we try and look at Daniel's game and, and try and figure out how he's achieved this. I mean, the, the, the run that he had in the summer, that would have been impressive for anyone, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, that kind of consistency. F from where you sit on the court, what do you think he's been able to do this year and particularly this summer that, that maybe he wasn't doing 12 months ago? What's improved? Uh, first of all, you know, it's uh, we have to accept for anything that uh, some uh, things take takes time. Uh, you need uh, experience. You need uh, uh, because yeah, one year ago this was uh, was not possible at this level for sure. Um, then it's uh, as I used to say a lot of work, uh, a lot of uh, smart work I think uh, in for his tennis, for his physical, for his mental, for many things like this. And uh, of, of course, you, you need uh, some some chance. And uh, you know, when you get chance and you get in the di in good dynamic, and then it's like uh, everything goes in in your in, on your side. I've got to ask you a little bit about what happened in the summer, um, especially physically, because it seemed like, especially at New York, there were a couple of matches where. I was watching and almost thinking, is he going to finish the match here? I mean, the, I think it was it Londero in the third round when he was cramping. Uh, it was uh, Delian. Sorry, yes, yeah. Delian in the third round when he was cramping. The Feli Lopez match was tough. Uh, Vavrinka in the first set, he didn't look very, very healthy, very fit. How how close was he to to stopping some of those matches? First of all, I want to say, uh, you know, in New York, uh, my feeling is that in any uh, in every match is something happened you know something uh, like uh, makes this this match uh, a bit special maybe not the first round was uh, i want to say a, a quite easy easy match for for daniel uh, but against delian of uh, as you as you just said uh, he was cramping but this this cramp came from nervousness because i remember these days uh, the day before it was raining and we couldn't practice uh, so I knew that uh, it will be a tough day because you know you lose your your feeling, uh, your your dynamic, uh, your practice dynamic uh, uh, and the intensity. So you, you never know what can happen after these kind of days, and it's what happened during this match. And uh, so Daniel was very nervous during all the all the match, spe specifically um, the first two sets, and the second set was a nightmare. I remember I fought with him on the court. I was talking to him. I was, uh, uh, we were talking together, and I know at this moment it's, it's tough. But he, he found a way to, to 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 win the second set. So I was in my mind. I was okay. We 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 passed the the, the worst part of the match. I saw this was a mistake because cramp came just after this. And of course, it was not physically, but mentally was, uh, you know, the, the energy lost during the second set came back and that's why he, he, he was cramping. And um, so in the beginning, I, I was not understand. I, I, was, I didn't understand what happened because he, sh he showed me many things and I was in my mind. But no, he, what, what happened? He's, uh, he's hungry, he won't bar and he forgot his bar, but it was not this. And so, as you say, he, wa he was cramping. And he found a way to, to pass through the, the cramp uh, with a crazy match, 
uh, crazy for his opponent also because uh, when you see this, you, you don't understand what happened, you don't know how, how you have to play. Daniel was playing, was not playing, was running, was not running, running. And um, he, he found this, uh, this way, this strategy to, 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 to win the match. Then against Lopez, as you said, uh, the crazy, the crazy things he did, but also because of the screen, the big screen on the court. I want to say, without this, you just see it at the end of the match, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's not uh, an event like this, you know, uh, something like this. But after, it makes him, uh, you know, different for for everybody, and it's also part of uh, of the the good thing. Um, um, and after, what I wanted to say, yeah, against Vavrinka, after two, day, two, two games or three games, I, I thought he will, uh, he will stop the match. And he was thinking the same. So he found a way to, to win the match on almost one leg. Yeah, it's amazing. And I've got to ask you about the final. Um, I mean, you know Daniel better than most people. Did he surprise you midway through the match when it, you know everybody was watching the match thinking this is straight sets for Rafa surely he's got nothing left in the tank and still he kept going did that surprise even you yes of course uh, you, you 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 can be surprised and at the same time when I you know Daniel you 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 you, you feel to you finish to understand that he's able to to do uh, anything you you don't expect and for this match first of all I want to say that the way, uh, the way he lost uh, against Nadal in uh, Cincinnati, uh, in uh, Montreal, helped us also to, to, to build a strategy to, to try to do better against uh, Rafa. And I think, I think he did it well. Also, he started to do things we, we, we work in the practice that he doesn't use so many times because he doesn't feel to do it because he thinks he feels that he can win a different way. And at this moment, because uh, against Rafa, uh, his way to play was not enough, he started to, to, to use these skills that we, we tried to build uh, for this kind of matches, just, just this. And uh, at the moment when he started to feel that uh, he will lose, in, uh, as he said during his speech, uh, he will lose in 20 minutes, uh, that's the moment where something happened. And for me, for me, it was the same because after the second set, I was clapping in my hand to, to just to show him, okay, just continue. You, you do great. Just uh, Rafa is better than you. And he was showing like, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I will continue to fight for nothing, something like this. And at this moment, I was starting in myself, okay, you don't believe, so I don't have to believe as well. Okay, I will not uh, uh, lose energy to believe if you don't believe it. And um, so sometimes it's small, small game together like this because, you know, I think, I believe that coach and player, they share energy, you know, invisible energy. And at this moment, he felt this and I feel the same and something amazing happened. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a great, uh, great thing for the final, for everybody and for Daniel to, to keep improving uh, his tennis and uh, to get more experience and confidence. And from here onwards, I mean, what an amazing achievement to qualify for London as well. I guess, is that the focus now that, it, that he arrives in London fit and, f and as fresh as he, can, uh, as he can be? That's the next big target this season? Um, what I want to say uh, about this, yes, of course, it's a big target. It's an uh, it's achievement of the, of, of, the, um, of the season, of course. But... 
I don't know if uh, we are not only uh, focusing of, on this tournament. I, I want to say not yet. Maybe, you know, in few few years, if it happens uh, every year, it, maybe it gets different. But right now we are focusing on this tournament and the next one and the next one. Uh, but of course, uh, it will be interesting and important tournament. For myself, I already leave this tournament because I was with sparring uh, three years ago. So I know how it works, uh, I know the place, uh, so can be uh, advantage to for us also, for the team. Um, we've talked only about Daniel so far. Just my last question. I just want to know what it was like for you this summer. Um, it must have been an incredible experience as, as being part of that team and knowing that you've the work you've, you've made was a big part of what you were watching on court and it must have been an incredible ride. Yes, of course. Uh, what I want to say, as I, and as I say, you know, after after you, New York, I, I spent uh, four days to just to, to relax and to think about this. I don't think I had enough time, four days, it's not, it's not uh, a lot, but <laughs> I was like, um, first of all, as a coach, uh, you, you, you dream or you want to live this at least once in your life. Uh, and it happens for me, so uh, what I want to say is I want to continue to, to live this. Um, and also, you know, when you are inside, you just focus on what you have to do, what you have to do your best, feeling, to feel your player, to, to give him the best advice or the best thing to do, to make him in, uh, in the best uh, shape and in the best uh, energy to, to perform. So. It's uh, very surprising to feel that when you are inside, it's just normal, you know. You and with Daniel, as you see, he doesn't show so many emotions, so it helps you also to keep very, very low in emotions. And like this, also you you can focus on the next one and the next one and the next one. So um, it's just normal things that okay, life doesn't change. I mean, it changed a bit, but at the same time, it doesn't change. And I think it's good also to, to be like this. Has Daniel been back to the academy in Nice since since New York? That must have been a nice moment. Was it, was it a yes, special yes. moment? Yes, uh, yes. First of all, it's not academy. It's more center because it's smaller and it's in Cannes, uh, elite tennis center. And um, yeah, he came back after St. Petersburg and uh, we, we made, uh, we made uh, one week uh, practice there. Of course, it was uh, for the club, you know, because the center is in a normal club. So everybody from there are, you know, following him, him uh, on TV. So for everybody, I feel it's a great, great energy. You know, you feel people uh, happy to know Daniel, to see Daniel every day um, for the player in the center. Also, I think it's a it's a great thing for them because they, they see how uh, Daniel uh, practice and uh, humble uh, how he is. So. So it, it gives uh, many good things for uh, everybody who, who see Daniel. Yeah, long may it continue. It's fascinating hearing about the summer. It was an incredible five, six weeks to watch. I really appreciate your time. You're a busy man, I know. You're welcome. All the, best. All the best this week. Yeah. Have a good week. Have a good season. Hope Daniel stays fit and we'll yeah. see you in London. It's another part of, uh, of our job to, to maintain this and uh, to keep improving. Uh, yeah, another part of the, of the road. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. I'm in the player restaurant to the Rolex Shanghai Masters. I'm delighted to be joined by Apostolos Tsitsipas, of course, father and coach of Stefanos. I've got to ask you, what, what does it feel like to watch your son 
beat the world number one out there? What, what, what kind of emotions are running through your mind? It's a, it's a great release and happiness for the job he did because he really worked hard all these last three weeks. It was a big pressure for him uh, at, to achieve, first of all, that his last, the, the last goal of the year to, to participate in the NITO finals. And uh, we know that sometimes these things are not really easy. It needs a lot of uh, commitment and, and a lot of focus. And I was happy that he achieved it and that and uh, uh, duplicate duplicate correct yep. uh, the 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 win against Novak Djokovic. And we know what does mean that. This sounds like a, a crazy question, but <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. He's beaten Federer at a Grand Slam this year, Roger Federer. He's beaten Rafael Nadal on a clay court. But does this one? Does this one, is that even higher, do you think, in terms of an achievement, the kind of tennis Novak Djokovic has been playing lately? Definitely it is an achievement, but I don't want to rate this achievement <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, think, I think the players, you know, uh, they, they have, you know, during the year, they have some periods that they really can bring out the best tennis. And I believe Stefanos, he played really beautiful tennis. He played his best tennis, actually. Uh, that was physically, mentally, tactically, he played well as, as well and and that pay pay off for him because we know that all these guys, that they're expecting the, this kind of period that they're going to perform like that. And he finished the job and that's not always easy to do, is it? You not can put yourself in the position to beat the very best in the world, but finishing it, that must have been very satisfying yes, as well. Yes, I agree. I agree with you and uh, I'm happy that he was focused on his job that was for me the key factor that he was focused on his job. Mentally, he stayed there. And usually when you focus on your job, you know, it's, you, you're playing your best tennis. Qualified for London actually when Fabio Fanini lost his match in the match yes. before. And I noticed in the TV interview, I don't know whether you've seen it, Stefano said he didn't realize. Did, yeah. did, did you, you realize what was on the line? I knew that, but I, I, I decided not to tell him because I think he should focus in his match because it was not the issue because he was kind of stepping in to play the match. And uh, I think he has enough things to, to take care of during this match. Ha and I didn't want him to have more uh, occupied with all this, whatever happens with that. Yeah, sure, I understand that. Is, was that one of the, the main priorities, the main goals in 2019? Yes, uh, that was one of the main goals and uh, Stefanos announced it at the beginning of the year. I think so far he achieved most of his goals and um, I would like him to achieving this goal, going there and enjoying the end of the year because it's a really beautiful celebration and uh, maybe, maybe it's one of the most beautiful events uh, existing ever in the history of tennis. And of course, he finished 2018 very strongly by winning the next-gen finals exactly. in Milan. If you cast your mind back to the tennis he was playing in Milan, the tennis he's playing now, in terms of being a complete tennis player, how, how has he improved in that time period? Yes, uh, it's, that's for sure uh, uh, important that to finish strong at the end of the year, it shows that he had the conclusions during the year, he, he, he improved. The target of the last year was to play next-gen and win, he won, <clears throat> and this year is to play NITO finals. And hopefully he will do well there as well. Um, 
I think the improvement is there, and uh, he improved the ranking. He improved his uh, physically, I think. And uh, we know very well that if you improve physically, all these top players are mentally like so good. You know that we expect something good out there. How do you prepare him in terms of believing, truly believing that he can beat Novak Djokovic after Djokovic's success in China? He has an incredible record in the Asian swing. The tennis he played in Tokyo last week. Is that difficult or does, does Stefanos have that self-belief that's not a problem? I think he's blessed that he's playing with all these top players all this period because he, he met Novak already twice. And uh, he met Roger like a couple of times and Rafa and that helped him so much to evolute and playing better tennis. Uh, for sure we did our preparation and uh, I just remind him what we, dis we spoke together before he played the final in Madrid and before he played the, the f second round I think in Toronto. When he beat Novak. Novak, yeah. Yes. So I remind him the tactics, I remind him what he did before. We didn't change a lot of things. I just ask him to be more determined what, with his uh, decisions. Yeah, I've got. I've also got to ask you about. You know, he's a, achieved incredible things for for Greece as well, and really put Greek tennis on the map, hasn't he? Um, now there's time to reflect on the achievements and qualifying for London. Do you ever think about the journey that you've you've been on as a family and everything you've achieved? Yes, Greek tennis. I don't know what does it mean if there is a Greek tennis, British tennis, or Spanish tennis. <laughs> I'm not sure about it. Tennis is international. It's a beautiful sport, and uh, I think tennis, uh, all these players, they belong to the whole world, and I'm 100% sure they can give. I'm happy to see to see this level, and I'm, I'm happy to see that my son can give something to tennis, and to the tennis fans. And uh, I just always tell him thank you that I am part of your team. Because I see all these beautiful things and, and, and I'm really it's, really, it's really nice. So a reminder, the exclusive channel on TuneIn, if you liked what you heard there, that all the interviews that get placed there and it's a real look that you don't normally get sitting down with a coach for, for 10 or 15 minutes and speaking to a player, maybe not just about the basic stuff of what they've just done on court. So please check out on the TuneIn platform. In terms of what's to come on, on ATB Tennis Radio, what isn't to come? We're with you every day of every week, of every month, of every year. But for your commentary, Basel and Vienna, we're going to be flip-flopping between those two 500 tournaments in a couple of weeks time bringing you the best of the best then there is the final masters of the year in paris when normally you get a little sort of curveball thrown in in paris next gen finals taking place in milan and then of course we will be at the tour finals i mentioned atptour.com to keep an eye on all the bits and pieces and there will be another atp tennis radio podcast for you in a week's time but until then thank you for listening if you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.